Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Havard. This episode features a virtual visit I did with Ryan Beckman, co-host of the My Disney Classroom podcast and co-author of the book Designing Disney-Inspired Classrooms, Turning Your Classroom into a Magic Kingdom. In the podcast, Ryan talks about his experience and how he got into Disney, how he started incorporating Disney into his education and into the classroom, and what he looks for when he is taking other educators to Disney through his PD magic, and also what he looks for when he is walking through the parks. I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Please come along with us on our adventure. All right, welcome class. Um, Today, we have Ryan Beckman talking to us. Um, He is a middle school teacher in the St. Louis area, and he has, he hosts a pod, or co-hosts a podcast called My Disney Class. Um, He's also co-written a book um, designing Disney-inspired classrooms, um, and then in the summers, he's he's led personal development trips or professional development trips for teachers um, in Walt Disney World. And so, I wanted Ryan to talk to all of you today about his fandom um, for Disney, but also um, what he's doing now. And so, with that, Ryan, thank you for joining us. I'll let you take it away. All right. Well, thank you for having me and. Uh... Um, thanks to you, to your students for listening here for the next um, however many minutes. Uh, so, I'll, you know, I guess I'll start and give a little bit of history because I do have a unique background um, history and where, how I got in education. Uh, my dad uh, was a teacher um, for, for many years, 30 something plus years. He taught in my high school and, and was my varsity basketball coach. And uh, going through high school and even in college, um, the one thing I knew I did not want to be as a teacher or an educator, because I was like, I want to do something different than my dad did. So I started out uh, pre-med and then um, as, as that kind of unfolded and I kind of explored uh, the, the pre-med world, I kind of isolated into um, animal behavior. And I got a degree in biology with an emphasis in animal behavior and a minor in psychology. And I graduated from four, after four years and went on to to work at Washington University Medical, and I did research there, did uh, immunohistochemistry chemistry and brain research, and we worked with uh, um, schizophrenia and uh, autism, a child autism, and uh, Alzheimer's diseases. So we kind of studied the brain. And I did that for several years, and uh, had some undergraduates that worked under me, and my primary investigator, uh, head of our lab, kind of was always talking to me and trying to encourage me to go back and get my doctorate uh, so I could run my own lab. And he said, man, also you do really well with the undergraduates. Have you ever thought about teaching and maybe picking up some classes at, at Washington University? Um, I said, no, dad was a teacher. I it's never did. And, and I, but I did enjoy that interaction with the, the undergraduates and kind of helping them along uh, in the lab. And just chances through meeting with different people. I actually uh, went out to lunch one day with a uh, person said that Board of Education for the state of Missouri, uh, and there was a program going on that asked um, successful professionals in the science and math fields 
if they would be willing to career transition into education, they would pay for um, the, all the schooling you needed to go, but you would have to work in an inner city school that, that needed um, math and science teachers. And something about it was the right timing. Uh, and it, it, just, it just felt right. And I made the decision to go into education. Uh, I did the program, worked in the inner city schools for uh, a couple of years and then uh, transferred out to where I'm in now at the Parkway School District and teaching middle school. I always thought I'd be teaching high school, but uh, when I did the program, um, or when I first started the program, I wanted to do high school and they didn't have a position open in science for the first time in the, in the St. Louis public schools. And they said, hey, do, do middle school one year and, and after that, um, we'll put you in a high school position. And, and true to the word, they, they did offer me a high school position, but it took one year and I fell in love with the middle school kids and, and their kind of um, state they are in their development. So um, I've, I've been at Parkwood School District ever since, going on probably 20 years now there. Um, loved every minute of it and I kind of pull on my years of research and brain development and science work to, to teach middle school science with my kids. So um, so a little bit of a, a background history. And I think it's it's good for, for students in college now. And um, I think you said a lot of your, your guys are freshmen. Uh, you know, you'll figure it out. I think a lot of pressure going into college, you think you gotta find that career real quick and understand what path you're on. But a lot of us go through a, a kind of curvy road to get there. Uh, and I can tell from, ex from my experience that once I made that decision and I started teaching, I knew almost instantly that was the right choice. So like just felt right, felt like a good move. So career-wise, I was there. Um, so getting into my Disney side of things, I, I mean, it starts way back, I guess, when I was in grade school. Um, a lot of us get that assignment in grade school. You got to read a autobiography and write a report and do that. Um, and I can't honestly tell you how I chose Walt Disney as my person to do and, and highlight and uh, do my little presentation on, but I did. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of read all about him and I, I was hooked from there because I, I've always just been drawn the science side of me to people that are innovative or creative and that, uh, you know, analytical type thinkers, people that do those type of things just, just fascinates me because I strive to be one of those type of people. So you're, you know, as a scientist, you're thinking there's got to be a system to the way these guys work and create. So, um, you know, that, that could be it because I'm a big Steve Jobs fan and, um, you know, uh, Fred Rogers and all these guys that have just created things because uh, they saw a need for them and were there. So um, that's where it started. I, I'm really a Walt Disney fan and um, I would read books about them. When I was a kid, I was lucky enough that my dad took us down, me and my brother, um, one year to Walt Disney World, I think 1982. Uh, so I got to do a trip down there and, you know, and just get so uh, overwhelmed by the story and the, the innovative. I love Epcot. It's one of my favorite parks. So all the innovation that's there and the highlighting is just very inspirational. Um, and then I, you know, as I grew up and, you know, I still read different things that were Disney related. I read a lot about Imagineers, Imagineering books like, uh, you know, people like Bob Gurr have written and, and Marty Scalar and, um, you know, even now I, I'm still reading. I read tons of books. Uh, Lee Cockrell 
he writes books and I know you've had him on and um, he writes books about management and style and leadership and you know you, I just read those books and I find so much inspiration in them um, that I can apply to my life and my career that you know I'm just always kind of inundating myself with kind of some Disney philosophies and, and Walt's uh, kind of foundations that you know it's always been there uh, then in in that learning spirit, I, I do go around to a lot of different conferences and I've spoken at conferences, but I also attend and go to learn. And I was at a local technology, educational technology conference here. And I heard um, Dr. Holly de Blasi speak just because he had a topic that was interesting to me. It wasn't Disney related, uh, but uh, you know, he happened to mention that he had a love for Disney. And then months down the line, I was at another conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, Holly was there again. And so this time after I, I listened to him speak, I waited around and uh, went up to him afterwards and just kind of introduced myself, said, hey, I, I heard you mention Disney a couple times. I've always been fascinated by Disney. I read a lot of books. I use a lot of the philosophies in teaching in my classroom and working for you know, different professional development angles to help better education. And he said, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a huge, let's, let's go have a, have a cup of coffee or a drink and, and talk about this. And we did, and that spun into a dinner that night. And it was like four hour dinner where we just talked about all our ideas and the thing. And it's just kind of interesting because, you know, we said, well, if the two of us have met, there's surely other educators out there that have the same thoughts, same philosophies, same kind of things. Um, maybe we should try building this community up. And just at the time, we were thinking more of just for our own you know, benefit of, of, you know, becoming a community and helping each other out. And from there, we uh, met a group of, um, I guess it was about four other educators from across the country, a couple in Missouri, where I'm from, um, one down in Florida, one in Texas. Uh, and I'm trying to think, I think that's the, the main states. And we, we came together and we decided we were going to put together our, the first um, Ed Camp Magic a Disney themed ed, ed camp, which is a, a free one day professional development for teachers um, that's put on all over the country, actually all over the world. Um, and, and we said, well, let's, let's do this and see what happens. And we organized it. We, we got a school down in Orlando, about 10 minutes off of Walt Disney World property called uh, Windermere Prep that was willing. They've been, just so happens they were wanting to do a ed camp, but they just didn't have the time and the resources to put it on. They didn't have the people that could take that on. Uh, and we were the people that wanted to do it and they had the space. So it was a nice mutual partnership and um, they've been awesome. We've done it for five years. Uh, and, and from there, it just, I mean, we have about 300 attendees that will come in um, all looking to uh, kind of learn about the Disney philosophies and, and ways Disney's can, can help education from anywhere from elementary, you know, kids all the way up through, you know, college professors that have attended and, and worked with. Um, from there, uh, I've always, I, I've listened to a ton of Disney podcasts, uh, you know, and podcasts in general. And I was, I was like, man, I think, you know, I want to do a podcast. And I kind of threw it with how, to Howie. And I said, have you ever thought about it? And he's like, eh, not really, but let's talk about it. And we came up with a mission and kind of a purpose and audience of why we wanted to, to do the podcast and how we wanted to approach it. Um, and so my Disney class was born from that. 
and we uh, created a web page and looked in. Neither one of us were familiar with podcasting as far as the back behind the scenes part. So we did a lot of time looking and watching YouTube videos on how to record videos, best way, audio quality, those kind of things. And we kind of built that brand up. Um, and from there, that brand got a lot of attention um, in the education community and, and kind of uh, even broader than that. Um, and we were contacted by um, a publisher from Theme Park Press Publishing. And he kind of said, you know, kind of likes what we're doing. Do we have any, have we ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, oh my gosh, no, I'm a science writer. So my writing is very trimmed down and, and uh, to the point. And, um, you know, I just, it, it seems super daunting. I mean, uh, but I was, you know, how he kind of talked me into it and we pitched a couple ideas or how he did to the publisher and um, they rejected all of them. And <laughs> they're like, nope, nope, we don't, we don't like that idea, we don't like that idea. And then finally I said, have you ever thought about just focusing on, on one of the theme parks and it could be a series and doing lessons for each of the attractions? And we said, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And then we had to boil down and pick a theme park and why not start with one of the most magical and magic kingdom. And that's what we did. We basically, every chapter, um, there's a few chapters in the beginning, kind of how to use the book and some background about Walt and his philosophies and some of our philosophies. But pretty much the, the book is every chapter is a attraction in a, in a land. And we've gone about giving background um, to the story of what the Imagineer's intent was with the attraction. So the teacher would get or the educator would get a little bit of a background if they'd never been or, or you know, not as fan crazy as we are. And, you know, that was kind of a, a tough part because uh, I, I do, I tend to think like when I talk to other Disney fans, especially some. Uh, like you mentioned, Lou Mangiello being on here. I've talked to Lou several times and I'm going, how does this guy know all this stuff? I'm, I call myself a Disney fan. So I kind of tend to lower myself in the Disney ranks of trivia knowledge. And then I get in the general public and people are like, this guy's insane. So he just knows way too much about Walt Disney and these kind of things. And so it was kind of this hard balance in the book because I like, am I talking down to my audience? or a writing down to my audience, or is this too over their head? So I was trying to find a balance of giving them enough background, enough tidbits, but then spurring it into um, looking at education through this Walt Disney lens and how you can take that, look at some different ways of teaching different philosophies, take that spin, the Disney magic, the, the Disney kind of power they have in storytelling and, and delivering this lesson in a, in a, a way, at least inspire them. Um, to do to teach lessons, so we give lesson examples from from each of the attractions, um, and then kind of along the line, I'm a little bit out of chronological chronological order because we did some class teaching as well. We teamed up with uh, uh, Professor Jerry Johnson of the University University, and we taught a couple grad level classes, um, kind of to education majors about using Disney philosophies and core values to uh, to apply to education and we did those online. Um, and that spun into people wanting to go down and get more of an experiential learning experience where we guide them through the parks and kind of take them through a hands-on five-day immersive learning experience in, in the parks. So uh, last year we took, uh, we had about 10 educators uh, in June, we took down for a week. Uh, we had a college uh, special ed teacher uh, college level from 
England that flew over and, and joined our group. We had teachers that were elementary teachers, one from Alabama. We had some instructional coaches and uh, admin that joined us and uh, another college professor from right there um, in uh, Florida that all joined us and we kind of took them through this immersive learning experience. Each day was kind of themed. Uh, we went to a different park. We'd, we'd get up about, uh, we'd join about 7, 7.30 in the morning, have a breakfast together somewhere on site, talk through kind of the day's learning. And then we jump on in our cars, drive over to the park, whatever it was that day. And that theme would be carried out with some lessons um, until about noon or one o'clock that day. And then we'd let them go enjoy the park, which is, you know, it's hard to, as teachers, you got to recognize what you're, uh, what you're up against. And when you're in a Disney park, even us adults, hard to keep their attention for all day long when you got attractions and churros and all sorts of good stuff around. So we, we usually cut off about noon or, or one o'clock and uh, then reconvene the next day. So kind of, kind of the background history there. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really cool. But, um, and the, um, for students, you, you have the, the link to the podcast and um, the link to the book on the syllabus. If, um, if you're interested in looking into either one of those, especially if, um, as Ryan said, if you are um, thinking about uh, teaching, if you are a, a education major now, um, those would be great resources. If, and if not, um, it's always fun to see kind of different perspectives on all of this. Uh, so if, as, as a form of some follow-up questions, um, I know you mentioned your, your interest and kind of love for Disney came from being interested in the innovative aspect of it and what, um, what Walt Disney stood for and then what the company stood for. Um, so, and you mentioned Epcot being your, your favorite park or possibly your favorite park at least. If you picked, if you had to pick an attraction um, that you, one, enjoyed the most, um, what would it be? And then two, an attraction that is, in your mind, your technical, the, the technical way you look at it, um, kind of the most in, interesting or engaging, what would those be? Uh, that's, yeah, good question for sure. Um, gosh. Uh, one I enjoy the most, um, man, uh, so it's so hard. Uh, <laughs> she probably in do fandom. It's so hard to say. It's like picking your favorite kid, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I always I go with um, Pirates of the Caribbean is one of my all time favorite attractions. I ride it way too many times, um, even for my wife's standard. She's <laughs> likes it too, but she'll say just go by yourself. Um, and, and so that one. First, it's a classic, obviously. It is one that um, Walt got to see and a lot of great <clears throat> Imagineers worked on at Disneyland. Um, two, it's the story. I mean, I love there's a little interview of Walt talking about it. Um, and he talks about how, you know, you go down a waterfall to mm -hmm. enter this land. And of course, you got to rise up a waterfall to get out. So he thinks that way, he thinks about a beginning, you know, middle and end, the story and um, and the way they they kind of, sh you ride through that as the water ride, the boat ride, and it, it just, 
you know, it's, it just shows, it just tells a story and the way they, every way you turn and look, that's been thought about. Um, mm -hmm. So I love that aspect of it. Um, it's just a fun ride. I love the lighting and the way they do the fire and, you know, even simple mechanics of the, the women chasing the pirates with the broom on a little circular, you know, yeah. there's just easy mechanics, but it, mm -hmm. it tells such a great story. You don't have to overcomplicate it. Uh, so that's one of my favorites of, of all time. I kind of feel the same way about Peter Pan, though it's a very mm -hmm. short ride. Uh, just the idea that they've said, hey, let's not run a track on the bottom with this boat. Let's, let's hook it up and run it. Mm -hmm. let's attach from the top. It's a simple idea, but it had never been done. And so they just, they created that. So again, that's a lot of my, my passion and my, my love for Disney goes back to these guys that were, you know, working at, at one day, they're working on theater sets, most of them at Walt Disney Studios. And then the other day, Walt's like, hey, I want to build a theme park. Come over here and make this stuff. Mm -hmm. Or like the Bob Gurr story where he was an automotive guy and he read a couple of books and, and published some things in, about automobiles. And somebody said, they're building Disneyland, said, hey, we want to design a, you know, a car for this Autotopia ride. And they said, and Walt said, you guys know anybody that would be, and they're like, I read a book, read a couple articles from this guy. He sounds like a pretty good expert. We'll call him up. So they call mm -hmm. him up. And Bob's working on designing cars and the monorail and all that stuff. So they're just, and he never designed a monorail in his life before. It, you know, the monorails were around. He but, he ended up designing the Matterhorn also. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the the system yeah. for the Matterhorn. Yeah. So so th that stuff just fascinates me. These guys were around doing that. I mean, um, just seeing what works, and they just created these great things. But they always kept Walt always guided him. You know, had that great vision for story and mm -hmm. and how things should be told, and he always thought about the audience member being so important and, and who that who are we designing this for it wasn't personal it was you know not how can we do this the best or easiest or you know uh, the most you know bang for our buck it was always about the the guest experience so i've always loved that um technically the technical is i'm i'm just blown away by flights of passage over at animal kingdom um i mean I really did not think I was going to enjoy that as much as I did uh, back when they, you know, the hype about it being built and Avatar Land. And I had seen the movie, but I'm not a huge fan of the movie. Uh, but I went on that ride and it, it's one of those rides where like, and I'm not a, a big emotional guy and, and I don't cry at the drop of a hat or maybe I'm getting more emotional as I get older. I don't know. But, and, and I didn't cry on this ride either. So spoiler alert, but I, but it made me smile. Like just mm -hmm. generally, I was beaming. I was just smiling on the way off. I was like, "Gosh, Almighty, they've taken me." I know I'm sitting in a seat of some type, and I'm not really moving. I'm not flying, but you—it just takes you there, and you really feel like you're you're flying on this banshee through this incredible land. Mm -hmm. it, it's amazing, and and uh, so that that all the technical wise of that, and kind of going back to soaring. Um, if, cause a lot of people say it's a, it's a more juiced up version of Soren. Um, I, I love sto the story with Soren too, how the guy basically was trying to come up with this, mm -hmm. um, you know, attraction, the, to the, the vehicle system, how this is all going to work and how you're going to load up stuff. And he's over at his parents' house and says, you saw my connect set. And he's, I think it's up in the attic, runs up to the attic, pulls out his old childhood connect set and builds mm -hmm. the model of, you know, Soren's 
load vehicles and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great, that's amazing. It just, it kind of, as a science nerd to me, go, it brings me back to like the uh, Apollo 13 story where they, mm -hmm. you know, they're dying and they have to build a, you know, a, a, something to scrub the air of carbon dioxide with a sock, a box and duct tape and, you know, whatever else they yeah. put laying around there and make this filter. That stuff just blows me away. So um, I don't know, I don't really un know the workings behind um, fly to passage how that all goes down and I, I, I know a little bit because i'm so nosy that i'll stick my I, i'll ride an attraction and i will look backwards i, I won't i'll spoil it for myself i'll look all around at the, me the mechanisms and stuff like that which um you know and, and try to figure it. so I, I know a little bit of what's going on uh, but i i don't understand all the, the mechanics to it for sure um, and i think disney's probably pretty protective on that we i do it's again it'll sort of show in my fandom and my science nerd them a little bit i do go in and uh, read uh patents and stuff that disney puts out their their public knowledge so you can mm -hmm. you can gleam some stuff it's not as it's definitely not as interesting <laughs> as some people like when i tell them like oh yeah i saw this thing they're doing and there's a projection system and a lot of it is speculated to be for the new um, star wars hotel uh kind of stuff Mm -hmm. And I've read all of that and, and I got all excited about it. And somebody that's less a Disney fan was like, Oh, I, I love star Wars. I mean, and they started reading and they're like, this is, <laughs> this is boring, <laughs> but it, I like it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can, I don't understand all of it cause I'm not an engineer, but um, I just, I tweak it into a little bit and, and like it. So yeah, those would be my top, I guess right now. Okay. Um, the a second question is when you were on property, um, and we'll, we'll focus at Walt Disney World. When you're on property, um, what is one thing you have to do, uh, whether that's going to a park, going to an attraction, going to a restaurant, something like that? What's one thing you have to do? And um, why, in your mind, why do you think you have to do that? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, Gosh, I've been so lucky that I get to go. Um, I definitely don't don't underappreciate the fact that I've been through all these fresh developments and different things, and I've been down like the last five years in a row, and, and uh, a couple times, multiple times in the same year. So I'm so lucky and, and uh, get to do things. So I don't feel like it's like walking out of the park like I did when I was a kid and be like, well, this will be it for mm -hmm. until I'm, you know, who knows, I'm an adult maybe or whatever. Uh, but I do have to ride the TTA. That's a, something I do every time. Uh, it's nostalgic for me. It's, it's, an, it's nothing, no thrills about it really. It's a track and a train, but it goes back to my love for Walt. It's a Walt thing and his idea of the, you know, experimental prototype community of tomorrow and that this was going to be part of it, a way of a trans part of the transit system that was going to take people around and, and move them and, and stuff. And um, you get that mm -hmm. brief glimpse of the uh, model of it or a partial part of the model um, as the track goes by and you get to go through space mountain. And um, so, so that's one I have to do. I always do it. We definitely don't miss it. I mean, I could list off a bunch of things I don't miss either. I, I definitely don't go to Walt Disney world and don't ride pirates of the Caribbean or, yeah. or, Peter Pan's flight. I mean, but TTA's got the most meaning behind it, really. Yeah. So that one's the best. Yeah, I. Whenever I go, I, I um, 
Peter Pan's flight is always one that I have to do that. And if I'm in Epcot, um, and you know, we'll see the future of this. Um, but if I'm in Epcot, I go to the imagination pavilion because the first time I went, um, and, or the first time I at least have pictures of it in 87, um, I have pictures with figment and the big figment doll and everything. And he's always kind of, so I started looking into what does that mean? And, you know, it's this, this idea of imagination and never letting your imagination go. So that's something that um, we talk about in this class and we try to um, pass that on and kind of give the, the lesson that look, if you, if you're having fun with what you're doing, you do a better job at it. Um, you enjoy it more. And that ultimately comes out as a better end product for you. Um, there, there's two more things that I was thinking as far as you mentioned your, um, you obviously approach this from an education perspective and a technical perspective. Um, so when you were in a park, and you mentioned kind of looking around at rides and looking at trying to see different things, how rides are put together. But when you're walking through a park, let's say you're walking through the Magic Kingdom or Epcot, um, what are you looking for? You know, some people are are looking for the the churros or the, you know, they're they're looking for the the desserts. Some people are looking for specific attractions. Um, but you know, other people have told me they're they're looking for just to, to relax and kind of the overall atmosphere. From your perspective, um, what do you look for when you're in a park? Yeah, yeah, it's, this is a battle for me because um, there are definitely times I wanna go back and just go to the park and enjoy it um, kind of through my, my, my kid lens and, and stuff. And I think that's a part of the reason I do like Peter Pan's Flight is a story, you know, never wanna grow up kind of things, that's, that's true. For me there and, and I kind of I've used this analogy um, I've been in sports my whole life uh, my dad was like I said my varsity basketball coach and um, he was a baseball varsity baseball coach and had retired from baseball before he got to high school but uh, my brother is younger than three years younger than me and we kind of battled it out so sports have been a big part of our life I went on and played football in college um, and so all that I enjoy that part of sports and athletics a certain way and I had a certain lens that I viewed that through as a player and then when I went to, to teaching I started coaching football and basketball and I and I the lens flips and, you know my coaching lens now it's it's, it's different um, and all the way I look at it so now when I watch a basketball game like a college basketball game or something I totally watch it and I'm watching what the plays are you know how they ran this how they got this guy open off a screen I will rewind it back and draw it up and uh, you know why did that coach call a timeout at that point all I didn't care about the stuff when I was a kid playing I just was like man look at that dunk that, that was ridiculous you know that kind of shot or, or whatever else and it, it's kind of been the same way with Disney for me it's it's um, you know I, I go now and, and what I do really so honestly what I am most of the time looking for is I'm looking for inspiration to bring back to my classroom and I'll stop and take pictures of all sorts of stuff signs uh, you know, I'll, I'll think, how can I use this for my, my classroom or how they told this story? Can I flip this and, and do this? Or how can I make this a design thinking challenge? Can I think for my classroom or what facts can I pick up? I, I'm a annoyance, I'm sure, to some cast members at times. I'll ask them a lot of questions uh, about stuff and, and kind of talk to them. I mean, I talked to a guy, we were staying at the Animal Kingdom Lodge 
and he was from uh, from some part of Africa there in a student exchange program. And I, I talked to him about his home country almost mm-hmm. an hour. And my wife's like, you got to leave this guy go. I mean, he's got a job, you know? So, so, but I was like, man, I could love to bring this cultural aspect back to my students a little bit. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time looking through that. Now, I don't have any kids of my own, um, but my brother has three little ones and we've taken them to Disney now um, twice. We've gone two trips. Uh, and that's, that's helped bring it back to the kid. Cause now I can experience through them, mm-hmm. you know, especially their first time there and never seeing it and experience it. That, that brought a lot of that back and helped me kind of reconnect with that. So I'm trying to do a better job of when I go just to, to experience it that way, but it's hard because I do also, you know, when I take educators through the park and stuff, um, you know, I'm thinking about their time and, um, uh, what they've, and, and obviously they've, they um, have paid for it and um, you know I'm trying to give them a quality experience so I also think about okay what is the (laughs) what's the best way to go from point a to point b so at least amount of steps for these you know guys so I'm looking thinking logistics too so it's hard but but all all the time thinking okay we could stop here we could talk here this is a this is a good bang for your buck um, kind of thing or just looking at like oh my gosh there's such a crowd here if I had my group with me um, this would be a, an annoyance to them to try to get through here. So what's another way we could get to the same point? So, so yeah, I look at a lot of that kind of stuff now. Uh, it's still, it doesn't take it away from me because I, I do enjoy the, the backside. And like, you know, some people say don't spoil the magic, like behind the scenes kind of tours and stuff, backstage stuff. Um, that can ruin it for a lot of people, they, they say. Um, I'm not worried about that kind of stuff because I, it just enhances it for me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, well, great. The, so, and, you know, the last thing um, before we let you go, uh, just any other comments, um, observations you have about um, your fandom, the parks, uh, the current situation or anything like that before we let you go? Uh, well, I can, I was going to tell you, I am also a Figment fan. I, I can, I went 82, so I think I'm probably a little bit older than you. Um, and uh, I just remember the Dream Finder, that whole attraction. Mm-hmm. That's very special to me, that attraction. Uh, so I you hear all the rumors that's changing. And it, obviously, it's since I went in 82, it's, it has changed. Track is shortened and things have changed. But I still love it. Go on it all the time. I have, uh, I have it right here. I don't know if you uh, have, uh, see if I can do this without making a background show up. The, you read the, the series? The Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the comic series. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got that. There we go. You can kind of see it. Yeah. It doesn't work well the background. I've got that nearby. I love that uh, series. I've definitely got some plush comment yeah. uh, comments around. Um, so our plush figments around and stuff. And and I do go that. We go on that one every time too. It's an easy one to get on. Luckily now. Yeah. Um, but but I go in and uh, go on that attraction all the time. Yeah. yeah I don't you, know. I mean, just oh, go ahead. You go and when you went, um, you, you know, you interacted with Ron Schneider. Um, but when I, when I went the first time, um, he had, he had already left the company. Um, and so, you know, that's, that that was, it was great getting to to meet him and kind of seeing, you know, that aspect of it and hear that. So yeah, Figman is such a fun character anyway, you know, the whole story of, how he was created and how his name came to be and everything from Magnum PI. It's just, yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, Mark, uh, Mark uh, Davis, and those guys. Uh, uh, I can't think of uh, the guy's name now because I'm on the Tony Baxter. Yeah, thank you, Tony Baxter. Those guys back then that were kind of big in the in the Epcot and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, um, people make fun of it now because it's kind of it's very trippy and you know a lot of that. But the the foundation what they built on is it's still good stuff. I mean, it's you know there's no uh, you know the, the whole, like you said the whole piece about imagination, using your imagination, being creative. That's so valuable. I mean, when I talk about innovators, people that's what they're good at. I mean, they can mm -hmm. look at things in a different way and see it completely different. And that's, that's kind of stuff I think in the future, I mean, it's here now, but definitely in the future in any field you're in. That's why I tell people like, well, you know, you do Disney education. Is it just, is your stuff just for like elementary kids? And I'm like, no, this stuff is, there's so much there, so many levels to the, to the onion. Don't, don't picture it as like these cute little characters and princesses. And that's what it's all about. There's so much more, more to it. And things like, inspiring innovation, creativity, um, you know, looking at problems differently. How's that not apply to, you know, any job that you're in, you know, that's going to set you apart. So if you're, mm -hmm. even if you're building widgets for some kind of mass machinery, if you can look at it differently and bring that company to a higher efficiency rate, you're going to accelerate through the company. I mean, they're going to mm -hmm. value you. So what, you know, I just tell people, whether it's education or whatever, um, you know, the more, the more tricks you have in your bag and the more tools, the more useful you are, no matter what, the, the more valued you are to somebody in, in a company, you know, mm -hmm. unless you're running the company and you are this, you know, the owner of it all, you are, you're working under somebody. So yeah. you need to be able to be useful and, and, you know, do that. And so, you know, I just, I just think those kind of things, those guys did or are, are still true. There's a lot of good lessons to be learned and, and like, that's why I, like I read a lot of books that you know, like career magic from Lee Cockrell. I mean, it's, that's, yes, he's a Disney, um, you know, person, but his stuff, he talks about it. A lot of it, he references back to the Marriott and um, his time in the hotel industry and, and customer service that he, he took to Disney company. And I look at that and go, well, I'm in customer service too. I have, I have families in a community and I have students and I'm servicing. So how can I take lessons from that, learn, and apply it to to what I'm doing to improve that. So, as Walt would say, always look in the plus it. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I could talk. Yeah, I could talk for Disney for hours. I love it. It's it's passionate. I you know for me, I'm I'm not, you know, I I am a Disney first. So I'm not anti Universal or anything else. I've gone and I enjoy it. Now my my partner in crime, uh, <laughs> uh. Howie de Blasi, he's an anti-universal person for sure. So, you know, it's, I kind of talked to him about stuff, but I think, you know, a lot of those guys, like, again, my background is I love the Imagineers. I love the people kind of creating the magic. I love the experience too. Um, a lot of those guys work, have worked for Disney, work for Universal. Mm -hmm. Universal it, it's such a trade commodity, you know, the, the, those, those people that, um, how could you not like those guys over there and what they've done with like Harry Potter? Yeah that kind of stuff it's incredible so um you know i like all that stuff in the in the fandom world and you know the only thing i don't have an experience is the the disney cruise line because i'm mm -hmm. getting really motion sickness and seasick so i always trying to been drag me on there but uh i just don't want to spend the whole time in the cabin in the in the restroom yeah. or something it won't be a fun trip 
So I've, I've done a lot. I've got the experience a lot. I've been out to Disneyland. Um, I've gotten to meet a lot of former Imagineers. Brian Collins um, works with us on a lot of projects. He does the professional development with us and teams up on there. And um, we have a Facebook page that he hosts called Educators mm -hmm. Who Love Disney. And, and uh, you know, and work with him. And I've got to talk to Lee uh, several times, and he's been on our podcast. Uh, you know, Lou Mangel, you mentioned, who's a big Disney personality and, and uh, podcaster and I, I think probably more than podcaster I don't, I don't know what you classify <laughs> him as but a, a Disney uh, a Disney uh, royalty I guess um, but yeah and so it's it's been fun and I enjoy it and I think you mentioned too you, you want to you always want to do something that you love or you like it makes it more interesting and it's, it's been a way to take a passion of mine and and you know take two passions in mind, education and, and Disney and these kind of creative ventures are tied all together. So when I do stuff like this or I do my podcast, I'm, I'm, it's not work to me. I enjoy it. So yeah. uh, that's, that's kind of the key. You hear all these people talk about, well, you know, if you know you're successful when you, it doesn't feel like you're working and you know, when I'm teaching and I'm doing this kind of stuff, it doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah. That's great. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Brian, for joining us. All right. Um, and um, like, like I said, we'll, if, if anybody has any questions, um, I, I will have them reach out to you. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us and um, enjoy. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Being a Fan of Disney podcast. I'm your host, Cody Haver. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining us and listening and to say that I hope you found the information, whether content covered in class or interviews with guests, fun, informational, entertaining, and even inspiring. If you want to follow along with the class, you can do so by following me on Twitter at chaverphd. That's C-H-A-V. A-R-D, Ph-D, or by joining the public group on Facebook, Being a Fan of Disney. If you want to engage with any of the guests we've had in class, their contact information is included in each of the show notes. So again, thank you for joining us. It was a great time having you. If you like what you hear, please share this out so other people can engage with the information, possibly learn more about their Disney fandom and their love for all things Disney related. With that, Thank you again and have a great day.